Philippians 2, 12 to 18, hear the word of God. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as light in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but Scripture says that his word of the Lord I endure that forever. Well, not complaining then uh, is what we're, what we're looking at uh, from verse 14 in particular. Some versions translate it that way. But it's always easy to complain. Um, and, and in fact, a lot of times it's, it's easier to complain than it is to do, uh, to do much of anything else, right? Things are, things are rarely going, going right, going our way, the way that we'd want it. And uh, there's, there's problems that just kind of irritate and, and rub up against us and, and frustrate us. Um, right, as I said, I'm thankful for, for our situation uh, tonight. Not particularly the, uh, the event of it, because I'm, I'm sad. I'm, I'm missing the music. Um, I, I love us being able to come together in that way through the music, the, the joy that it brings uh, in it. Um, but I also think when, when we, I got a phone call from you know, student services, uh, and I'll admit, it was, not, it was not joy in my heart when I got that, uh, that phone call. Right? And I'm having to try to talk with the guy and ask him questions, but, uh, uh, but deal, with him, you know, deal with him well. And, and there's there plenty of complaint uh, in my heart uh, after that. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for God's, uh, if you say, like his, his clever timing, his, uh, his uh, skillful uh, providence that, that the week that we would not have music would be the week that we're looking at this particular passage. Um, uh, God, God knows what he's, what he's doing. I think he's given us a great learning tool tonight. He's already, he's already kind of worked out some of the application for us or, or give us a, a view of, of, uh, of how, we, uh, how we need that. And the tendency is to complain, to, to grumble, um, to uh, grumbling to each other. Maybe we should file a formal complaint to FSU, anything that we can send that around, you know, get, get music reinstated in the student, student services building. Um, complain to God, whatever different ways. Like that's, that's kind of a natural thing uh, for us to do our tendencies. Uh, it's easy to complain. It's difficult to do, do anything else. Not just about the music tonight, but even, like, even just in like casual conversation. Like, it's just easier to, to uh, complain about things. If you're, you, know, you can always talk about the weather. But, you know, then what do you say about the weather? Uh, you can say nice things about weather, but sometimes, like, I can't believe it started pouring rain on me when I was on the way to class, right? And I'm drenched. This is ridiculous. Now I've got to walk back to it all the way to the university center before I can get in my car and drive home, and then my whole car is going to be soaked, right? Um, had that experience. or pretty close to it before. Um, <laughs> Oh, the summers in Tallahassee, you talk about the weather a lot. It's so hot. It's miserable, right? Like I'm already sweating through the third shirt the past hour, you know. Like, uh, maybe you don't, you don't share that information. You say it's so hot. <laughs> um, sport, 
I don't even want to mention the Wake Forest game. I was gone all weekend. I didn't see it. I'm glad I didn't see it because the only thing I would know how to do once I hear more about it, which I've heard some of, is, is the tendency to complain, right? Even just classes that you're in. You're, you're talking with other people in your classes and what do you talk about with someone else in your class that you're just kind of getting to know? Man, the easiest thing is to, goodness, I can't believe the professor assigns us this much work. Or can you believe the reading? Or what's that annoying thing that he does there? I'm like, man, right? It's a lot harder to... Uh, to, to say, boy, this is great material. I really enjoy learning this. Uh, then it is to, to just complain about it. Um, yeah, even if you're, you know, even just conversations with friends or let's say you got roommates, right? You got like three or four roommates, and then two or three of them are gone, and you and just one of the others are, are talking. You know, it's just a little bit. It's a little bit easier to say, oh man, it's so annoying when they leave out the dishes or like close the door with a bang like that or, or whatever, right? Little things. It's, it's easier to say something like that than to say, man, I love the way that they are so helpful, the way they encourage me or, or some good qualities about them. So it's easier to complain. Our tendencies to complain. Now, at the same time, right, like no one likes listening to lots of complaining. Nobody does. And, and, and so you don't really want to be the complainer either. Um, I love some of the phrases I picked up from y'all. I don't know where, like, what the origin of these are, but the, like, don't be a Debbie Downer or negative Nancy, you know, like, like I love this. It's just saying, like, there's too much, uh, too much complaining, uh, too much criticism, pessimism, and it, it weighs us all down. Like, don't be the Eeyore that's just kind of dragging everything, right? There's, there's more to it. We can, we can look at some of the encouraging things in it. I think in our, our culture, uh, in, in general, um, just much more talks about like the value of positive thinking. Uh, we don't want people to be negative and complaining uh, all the time. There's, there's, there's much more to be able to look at the positive things in life, and the more you focus on that, the, the greater encouragement you'll have, the greater ability for success for that if you just think about it positively, right? Now, there's some truth in that, and maybe some overlap in, in Scripture with some of those things, but, but I want you to see that Scripture has a very different perspective from just positive thinking. Um, and when, when Paul's writing here, do all things without complaining and grumbling, without grumbling and questioning, however you want to translate it, um, <clears throat> when he's saying do all things without grumbling or, or complaining, there's, there's more to it. It's, it's something, it's not just, hey, think positively or don't think nev- negatively. It's something that's grounded in redemption. It's grounded in our salvation that Christ is reigning and that Christ has rescued us. And it's because of that that we have this different perspective. I think if we're, we're honest, there, there really is a lot, there's, there's plenty to complain about. We're talking about the weather, the sports, or just like the experience of life uh, as we know it. There's just plenty to complain about. And the Bible says that's true. It explains a lot. It all starts back in the beginning. Right? You go back to Genesis 1 and, uh, or Genesis 3 eventually, and you, and you hear that. It starts back with, uh, with Adam and Eve's first sin. Um, and that God had promised life upon the fulfilling of it, but the curse, uh, if, they, if they sinned, which is what they did. And so, not only for them, but for everyone after them, we came, came into a broken world uh, as broken people. Uh, in a messed up world, which we, were, which we were messing up in a way that we uh, relate. Everyone came under God's curse of relationships being cursed, of, of work being uh, cursed, Adam doing it by the, t- the sweat of his brow, and, and then... Lack of fulfillment uh, leading only to, to death. Right? Thus you are and thus you'll return. 
at the same time, like nothing is as bad as it could be. Good things to be looked upon, positive thinking can hit on that. Nothing's as bad as it could be, but, but also it's pretty clear from experience that, that nothing's as good as it could be. Uh, and nothing's even nearly as good as we, as we want it to be, which is imagine it being able to be. Um, even as God had purposed it in creation. Um, so there's plenty to complain on. So the perspective of positive thinking is one more that just says, listen, focus on the good and, and just kind of ignore the rest. That's not what Paul's saying about this not complaining. The Bible says we can look at all of it, good and bad, positive and negative, uh, joyful and, and fallen and broken. We can look at all of it and, and rejoice and, and be content. We cannot complain because of redemption. That through Jesus, God is rescuing us in the middle of all the brokenness and rescuing us, uh, uh, rescuing us from it. So what we see within the brokenness is God's, uh, God's working of redemption, God's working of rescue and salvation uh, for us through it. Changes the way we look at the good and at the bad. I think com- complaining is kind of looking for someone to blame. Um, and uh, in a sense, we're, we're all to blame from the fall. But, but contentment is looking for someone uh, to praise, to give thanks to, to celebrate uh, in God for the work he's doing and redemption. So you know, in this passage, we're told then uh, not to complain, even when we can't have music at, at RUF, um, and not to complain as an outworking of the gospel. We're going to look at kind of three different sides if you want to uh, track along with me. Uh, essentially, I think there's lots of different reasons maybe why we complain, but, but here's three of them. We complain a lot of times when things aren't easy, uh, when, they're, when they're not fair, when things are not good. So we're going to look at each of those kind of reasons why we might uh, complain. Not easy, not fair, and not good. Um, you can ask yourself as we go through it, how often do you complain? Watch yourself uh, the rest of the night, tomorrow, just kind of count up for yourself. Like, well, how, many, how, how often are you complaining? But also ask this question, why am I complaining? What is it about this situation that leads me, that leads me into complaining and feeling like, like there's nothing, uh, nothing positive to look at, nothing good here, even these bad things? And, and what would it be like to be able to sincerely rejoice instead? Good, bad, Ugly in between. So the first point, uh, not easy. Right? Not easy, but it's a, not about being easy. It's about obedience. Not easy. Right? We, we complain when things are, are difficult, uh, when they're not easy, when, when the situation is not what we wanted. Right? Um, if, uh, if you have to eat your favorite flavor of ice cream, no, you, you have to. Right? Like you're not complaining about that. I would love that. Eat my favorite flavor of ice cream. Maybe it's chocolate, but maybe it's moose tracks. Now I have to decide that. I don't know. Moose tracks is good. Um, but if you have to, if you have to have a nap time in the middle of the day after lunch around 2:30 instead of your 2:30 class, I might not be complaining about that, right? They give it to you in kindergarten and then just like snatch it away for the rest of life. You're like, what? What happened? I know, they don't even give it to you in kindergarten anymore. Yeah, it's like only pre-K and stuff. So you should reinstitute nap time. If FSU policy reinstitutes nap time, you know, uh, at 2.30 on campus, like, I don't think I'm going to hear a lot of complaining about that. <laughs> um, if, uh, 
if the Knolls just destroy the Gators in November, I'm not going to be complaining. Uh, that'd be, that feels great. Um, if I have to change their policy for tests, and all tests now have to be true, false, and matching. <laughs> right? Like, it's a little bit easier. You might not complain about that. You get an A in all your classes, not complain about it. These are the things that we tend to complain about. Um, but, but life isn't always easy. Life often isn't easy. There's lots of difficult things that we, that we don't like. You see, the word that he uses in verse 12 is, is obeyed, right? He says, as you have always obeyed. It's not about e- being easy. Uh, it's about obedience uh, here. Right? You don't only obey if it's easy um, and if you like it. That's not really the idea of obedience. Someone above you who's calling you to something, if you're, if you're under their authority, and you have an obligation toward this purpose as well, right? It's not just about whether or not you, whether or not you like it. Now, once you hear what Paul says to them, there's a, there's a relationship of, uh, of love as he's speaking to them. Therefore, my beloved, right? Those who are, you who I love, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my absence and my presence, but much more in my absence, I, I continue this. That's not a, not a harsh, authoritarian uh, kind of thing here. It's a relationship of love, of him helping them, of guiding them. It's not just about ease. Now, Let's see if I can help you just kind of track with the, the passage, at least the way I understand it here. Um, as we're talking about not complaining, but I want you to see where it's, how it's put together. I think you see the, the relationship um, between, uh, um, between obey and work out your salvation and then do all things without complaining. Right? So verse uh, 12, verse 13, verse, verse 14. He's saying, like, as you've always obeyed, so continue to do so. Right? But he doesn't just say continue to obey. He says work out your salvation. So he's specifying what this obedience looks like. It looks like working out your salvation. And then as, as he said a little bit about that, he, he takes it even more specifically and say one particular aspect of it that he's focusing on right now is that we would end that obedience in all things, that we would do it without, uh, without grumbling or questioning or, or without, uh, without complaining. Um, Right? Uh, the, the idea he's focusing on is, is on obedience, even in relation to this not complaining, it's coming out of that context of, of as you've always obeyed. Kind of cool thing you can say about the church in Philippi, president or not, this is, this is what they've done. And they're, they're obeying Paul, but more than that, they're, they're obeying Christ, right? Paul is, a, is an apostle, he has real authority, but it's a delegated authority uh, from Christ that he's, that he's representing. But they're, but they're obeying him. Uh, so so it's, a, it's a reminder to them and, and to us, a helpful reminder that our focus is not on ease, um, but on obedience. Right? Life is not easy, and the Christian life is not a call to an easier life. It's just not. Uh, if you've heard things talked about that way sometimes, that's just not how uh, Scripture talks about it. Paul's not writing from a Caribbean island, Right? A nice view in the dock. Um, he, he's riding under guard uh, as a Roman prisoner, um, wondering as he speaks to them about whether he'll continue to live or whether he's facing uh, his death. He's already mentioned to them uh, the, the call to suffer for Christ. This is what the call of the gospel looks like, right? Back chapter 1, verse uh, 29. It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe, but also suffer for his sake. 
Paul's in prison. They've known a lot of the conflict that Paul's had. And he says, you're engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. That's what it's a call, a call to. And just in the verses previously in chapter 2, he's, he's just mentioned humiliation. And he's mentioned humiliation as a good thing. Um, right? Uh, reflecting how Christ humbled himself in obedience, uh, even to the point of death. And if that was the gospel for us, uh, and that our lives should reflect that same, uh, same thing, humbling ourselves for others. So listen, you can, you can keep aiming at ease and at comfort and at prosperity and success, um, but you'll be disappointed. Um, you, you won't get all the things that you, uh, that you hoped for. You'll complain because you couldn't get them. Uh, and when you do get a lot of those things, they, they won't be as good as you thought they would. It'll be disappointing and lead us to complain. And the gospel calls us to hope in something else, the hope in Christ who offers uh, real satisfaction in Him, but it's, it's a hope in Christ that places us under Him, submitting to Him, obeying Him. Right, why, do, why do classes uh, have, have teachers or, uh, or the sports teams have coaches or gyms offer like personal trainers, Right? to make everything easier. Right? They're, all, they're all there just to, just to make it uh, easier for you. Right? Like, so, so if you're in the gym, the personal trainer, like if it's, if it's hard for you to lift, they'll just lift it for you. Right? I can only do one set. And then the personal trainer comes in and they do the other set for you. Right? They're, just, they're just there to make... Like the, the, the coaches you know, for the athletic teams, they know how it all goes. And so like, they just go out there and run all the plays and the set, players watch and like, oh, that's how it's done. Okay. They're like, but no, that's not how it works. Um, they're not there in those centers to make it, make it easier. Uh, they're, they're there to help them and then drive them in the things that are hard. Like when we're, we're left on our own, it's like, I, can do, I might can do easy, maybe. I might can do easy stuff by myself. Uh, right? But the harder something is, the more helpful it is to have someone pushing me toward it. And, well, you have a trainer there saying, you're slacking off, you can push harder. Right, give me another set. Keep, keep going in this. Um, uh, we need to have someone over us pushing us to do hard things well. I think when you have difficult things, sometimes it's great to have someone else uh, in, in charge. Um, they're there because we need help and direction and authority. Um, we're, we're, it's a focus not on ease but on, on obedience, obedience to Christ. Right? And the way Paul talks about the church in Philippi, already, they already knew that. This is already their focus. They've always obeyed. And Paul reminds them and he reminds us our focus should not be on ease but on obedience. Uh, There's no need to complain because it wasn't easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Uh, Christ is leading us. He's even uh, leading us to accomplish difficult things. He's leading us through hard circumstances. Uh, The question is, will you trust Christ to rescue you, to provide for you in those things, or, or do you only trust yourself? Or do you only trust that the circumstances show you that you have enough ease and comfort and prosperity now, the way, think, the way you wanted things to be? Sometimes we complain because things are not easy, but it's about obedience. And sometimes we complain because things are not fair. That's the second point uh, here. Uh, not fair, but neither, neither salvation. Uh, we tend to com- complain when things are are not fair, or not just, or, or not equal, right? Why is your bowl of ice cream bigger have more in it than mine? 
Oh, why do you have a bigger piece of cake than me? That's not, that's not fair, right? Um, why does she have a boyfriend when I don't? Not fair. Why do parents give them money for college when I have to work? Why, do the, why does the group down the hall get to have like music playing in the background? Inequality, injustice, being slighted, it, it makes us want to, to complain. Um, but but frankly, hear me say this, life is often not fair. Um, and and we're, often, we're often frustrated by it. Um, but let me ask you this. Was it fair for Jesus to die in our place? That the, that the one completely innocent person ever in history should be condemned as guilty and publicly executed. Right? That wasn't, that wasn't fair. Um, that the eternal Son of God who has all the riches and comforts of heaven, uh, that he would come to earth and suffer, experience pain, and, and be rejected. Um, was it fair that that God should die uh, in our place? Or was it just that, that all our, this is the way Isaiah 53 says it, that all our iniquities should be placed on Him, that all our, our sins and the wrong things we've done be placed on, on Jesus' account? Essentially, that Jesus would be blamed for what, what we did. He'd be punished for it. That God would pour out his, all of His hatred on sin, He'd, he'd pour all that on Jesus we might be brought into his family and accepted as clean and perfect and loved and forgiven in a status that can never be changed. Um, point, salvation is not fair. It's awesome. It's an amazing love uh, that we see as we, we didn't sing but looked at. Um, but it's, uh, 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 we, we complain about things not being fair, but, but neither is uh, salvation. Right, but Jesus willingly relinquished his rights for justice. We want to hold on to our rights. Jesus willingly relinquished his rights for justice in order to save us who are undeserving, who can't earn or merit it for ourselves. Right? And so the gospel of salvation should change how we respond to being treated unfairly. Right, this, is, this is the context in which he says, uh, work out your own salvation. Right? Um, though Christ was equal, uh, he didn't hold on to that, but he, he obeyed. So we looked at it last week. Though he's equal, uh, equality with God, he didn't consider that something to be grasped, uh, but he humbled uh, himself in obedience. And we're not to aim for our rights of equality, but to humble ourselves for, for others' benefit, to lower ourselves. We should, we should give up the things that we deserve uh, for the benefit of others. Right, salvation is from God's grace. So we should be gracious for others, uh, gracious to others. And if it, that seems difficult to do, um, and, and it should. Right? We're humbling ourselves, humiliating ourselves that others would, would benefit from it. That's, that's difficult. Well, look, there's, there's a lot of motivation in this, in this verse, right? Um, but it doesn't just say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But verse 13 says, because, why, how, how are we able to do this? Because, for, it is God who works in you. You work because it is God who works in you. All right, how's God, 
God who's working in you both to will and to work according to His uh, good pleasure. We work because God works in us to, to will us uh, to, to will and to work how, how He wants. Uh, verses can be a little bit difficult to understand. I'm going to try to explain them if you can you know, ask me questions or whatever more about it. You're, you have a really strong statement in, in work out your own salvation. Um, right? It's, it's not saying salvation is by works. That you can do enough and then you'll, then you'll be saved. It, it's clear from the passage that it's not all up to you because everything that, that you do, this work that you do, comes from God working, willing, uh, and, and working in you. Um, and you can look at other scripture to be real clear about this. Here's Paul in Romans 4, verse 5. He says this, um, Contrast the one who works, if he's given something that's counted as, as due for what he, what he did, he says, uh, and to the one who does not work, does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Right? That righteousness, justification, life in Christ come not from working, but from uh, believing. Christ has fully accomplished salvation for those who trust in him. Right? But the language of this passage is, is intense. Um, work out your salvation. You could you, you'd rightly translate it even bring about your own salvation. Right now, sometimes Scripture uh, speaks of salvation as being a past or sometimes present that we've experienced, but also sometimes speaks of it in terms of future, right? What we're what we're receiving. Um, and uh, and here's bringing into into view of a continuing sanctification of the believer that while Christ has accomplished all of our salvation we're still living out that salvation as well as waiting for the fullness of it and the now living out of that salvation we, we talk about it as, as sanctification it's this process of becoming more and more like Christ the process of, of dying to sin and dying to ourselves and, and being changed more and more uh, into Christ's image um, I think that's what's, what's in view here. I think I understand it similarly to what we saw back in chapter 1, this, uh, uh, verse 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. The salvation that, that's, that you've received that's in you, work, work this out. Live according uh, to it. But as much as it gives this strong statement, work out or bring about your own salvation, uh, it's important you notice there's an equally strong statement in, in, in verse 13 uh, as well. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his pleasure. The Christian is not left to himself for obedience. But not only like, is salvation being brought to Christ something from, from God's grace, sometimes we think, okay, but then once you're a Christian, like, now, now it's up to you. Here's the pattern. Here's what you're called to. Go and, go and do these things on your own. Uh, sanctification, this continual process, is, is also all of, all of God's grace. We're entirely dependent on him uh, in it, right? But we're fully involved in sanctification and we're fully dependent on God's work at the same time. That we work because God works, right? Even our desires, our will, and our effort work originate in God's strength is how the passage talks about it. Uh, so if that makes sense to you, you see it's, it's very helpful. Because it's painfully difficult uh, to give up what you, what you have for someone else. Like I'm hoping, hoping that people downstairs are benefiting and able to take a test well, you know, right now, um, uh, or, or whatever. Uh, but, it's, but it's hard to give up things. Right? And way more than that, it's, it's hard for us to give up casual things, daily things with roommates, classmates, um, for your family. Uh, whatever, it's hard to give up what we have for someone else. It hurts when you experience personal injustice and to not, like, retaliate. 
Often not. Uh, or, or to suffer not because of something that we've done, uh, but just because of what Jesus has done and who he is. You know, that we like him and follow him. But that's exactly what God gives the ability and the desire to do. To suffer. Uh, to humble ourselves for others. Uh, God works in us not the attitude of complaining because it's not fair, uh, but the exact opposite of being willing to, to give up our rights for others. To experience unfairness for the, that actually works to the scales tip in the favor of someone else. Christ has done us, but God is working in us. That's what it looks like to work out uh, your own salvation. Um, right, in, in the gospel, not fair. Just watch when you say something like, that's not fair. In the gospel, something not being fair is an opportunity to glorify God. It's an opportunity to share uh, with Christ. And it's not a reason to complain. Right, so we have not easy, not fair, uh, but what about, what about not good? Right, there's our, our third thing, not good, uh, but accomplishing something good. Um, I think underlying most of our complaints, if we're saying not easy or not fair, that, that somehow underlying most of our complaints, we think, it, we think that the situation is just not right, it's not good, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, there's a, a lot of things in the world and, and that we experience that are, that are by no means good. Um, we shouldn't call them good or think that they are good. Um, but there really are bad things ha- happening. Um, now, God's a God of, uh, of, of truth and of justice and compassion, and we should, we should hold those same values, um, which, which means Christians shouldn't just say, oh, it doesn't matter, that's bad things, because it's all, it's all good, it's all really okay. Um, no, Christians should, should care and hurt when we hear, when we experience it, when we hear of tragedy, things that are wrong. Um, we should care and seek to do something about the problems around us, be that crime or poverty or excess or rape or hunger or health concerns and so on and so on. We should care and be moving toward those things. Um, but not complaining doesn't mean act like bad things are good. Like, I'm not going to complain, so yeah, it's actually, it actually is good. Um, but this is why I've said this before, but Christ's death on the cross, to put it lightly, wasn't good. Never, never call Christ's death on the cross good. It's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing that ever could have uh, happened. And God used it to accomplish the best thing ever. Uh, and, and His glory and redemption and our salvation. Right? So, that, so that even when we hear things not good, then we think, man, the worst thing is it's Christ's death. So even with things that are not good, we can still look to the good that God accomplishes. Even the good that God accomplishes through it, through those things that are horribly wrong. So do all things without grumbling or, uh, or questioning. Now you might not recognize it here in verse 14, some of the words following it. It's a, uh, Paul's making a reference to the Old Testament uh, Israelites, right? The, uh, the grumbling in the wilderness. The, the grumbling and questioning or complaining uh, are words that are used of the, in Scripture of the attitude of the, uh, of the Israelites in the wilderness, right? You remember there are times when they're going through the desert to the mountain, the places God's taken them, and they like, didn't have food, they didn't have water. That's not a good circumstance, right? In the desert, 
got no food, there's like how many thousands of people around. Um, it's, it's not a good circumstance. And, but, they, but they grumbled and complained and they said, the God just bring us out here in the desert to die. At one point they said it would be better for us if we were back in Egypt. And they, at one point they even tried to elect someone else to go and, and, and take them there. Situation after situation they grumbled and complained. Uh, and these words are the words that are used for their repeated rebellions against God. I want to uh, make sure that I'm being clear on this if I haven't yet. For this, is, this clarifies for us what's wrong with complaining. Because it's not just about being positive or being negative. But it's actually about faith. Um, it's actually about trust. It, we looked last semester at prayer and some of the psalms. Right, and Many of the psalms you can even describe as, as complaints. There's complaints before God, and they're modeling for us how we should bring, these, uh, bring our complaints and struggles before God. What you see in them is it's an outworking of faith and trust. This calling out to God even in the middle of hard things. It's entirely different from the Israelites' attitude there, which was a, which was a rebellious turning away from God because of, he brought out bad scenarios or scenarios they didn't like. It's one thing to like see the negative and call out to God in it. It's another to, to want to turn away from God because of it. It's the latter that we're talking about in, in complaining. Uh, it led them to disobedience instead of obedience. That's not... Not easy, not fair, even, even when things are not good, we still have a reason to trust God in Christ. Let's go back to the Israelites. How did, how did it work there, right? They're, they're complaining about not having water. And what did God do? But he gave them water from the rock in the middle of the desert. They don't, they don't have any food. And they're grumbling and complaining like God can't provide for us. He's not a good leader. We have to go somewhere else. This isn't good enough. We, we can't deal with this. This is a bad situation. And there's, well, we have, there's no hope for us. And God brought like, what is it? From the sky, right? Manna uh, coming down. Another time I quail uh, for them when they're tired of the manna. Um, right? The situation was truly not good, but they had reason to trust God. He just brought them out of Exodus, uh, you know, out of uh, Egypt uh, through the Red Sea. Um, making his promises to them. And he showed them uh, more of his love and power and provision through those bad circumstances. Right? Um, and that's, that's way back in for them. We've got a lot more that's been shown up. Uh, in Christ's death and his resurrection, God's shown us fully that we have reason to look with confidence in him, especially when things are not good. Because God's able to bring a victory out of tragedy. He's able to bring success out of failure, a salvation out of, out of death. He can accomplish the best things even through the worst things, right? Now, and this, is, this, is, this is the perspective that, that's here in this passage, that things are not good, but God is still accomplishing good. Especially even through us not complaining. See the words in, in verses that go on from verse 15 uh, on a little bit. And the Old Testament the Israelites are still, uh, still in view. In fact, if you went back to Deuteronomy 32.5, it says this. You'll just, you compare this with verse like 15 uh, and following. Verse, Deuteronomy 32 is the uh, song of Moses near the end of Deuteronomy, reflecting on, on what God's done and on the people. And it says, it says, they've dealt corruptly with him. The Israelites have dealt corruptly with God, and they are no longer his children... Because they're blemished, they're a crooked and twisted just generation. 
And now here, the opposite is being said of believers in Christ. She may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked, gener- twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding uh, fast the word of life. Right, so it's, if you follow me here, like, it's especially through not complaining that the gospel is shown in the world. Um, uh, you shall know them by their, by their love. You can also say by their, by their not complaining. Um, which is to say you, you shall know them by their, by their faith in God regardless of circumstance. Their faith is still expressed in obedience. Uh, Christians share their character as children of God uh, through trust in Him. The more things are, 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 are not good situationally, the, the brighter uh, the children of God shine as lights in the world. Uh, and in its in this darkness, right? This is how Jesus to his followers says, "How this is how as lights of the world, you're you're letting your light shine before men, especially by not grumbling, complaining." Okay, so when things are not good, we still trust the one who is good, uh, that he's doing something good, even through situations that are not good. And so the verses end, still speaking of being. Glad and rejoicing. I says, uh, even if I'm poured out a drink offering upon a sacrificial offering of faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. And likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Um, all right, we've we've got lots of reasons to complain. Always, we have lots of reasons to complain. How but the gospel has given us more reasons to trust in Christ and even to rejoice. So when things are, are not easy, life's often not easy. Remember, they're not supposed to be. Uh, and our focus is on obedience to the one who suffered for us. When things are not fair, life's often not fair. Uh, remember, our salvation is, is from the benefit of Christ giving up what was fair, uh, and God working the same things in us. Uh, when things are, are not good, remember that God is good. And that he's bringing out what is most good, even through things that are not. have got a lot of reasons uh, to complain, uh, but wouldn't it be nice to have nothing to complain about? Wake up one day, have nothing to complain about. Go through the whole day, and there's nothing to complain about. Um... Right? In the gospel, there's a, there's a truth there. The, the much will be hard. And many things are going to be unjust and unfair. And many things not good. You know, with Christ as your King and Savior, we have reason to rejoice. 